0: You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Season 2, Episode 20, The LDS Church, Part 2. Last week on the show, Marie shared part of her story of growing up female in the LDS Church, also known as the Mormons, also known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This week, Marie reveals more about her life, her marriage, her children, and what it was like to leave the church and the aftermath of leaving and what kind of results happened to her family life. Welcome back, Marie. We were last speaking about how the church professes to be apolitical, but there are many examples that disprove this, including the LDS church's involvement in the scuttling of the ERA.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, completely. I mean, and especially in, in states like Idaho and Utah, it is so like the people voted to legalize medical marijuana in Utah, and then they the legislature, they get in there and they're like, uh, nope, you know, it's very much influenced by the church. 100%.
0: Talk to me about the ward system, the leadership structure. What does all of that look like? And what roles do people have within it?
1: wards are drawn up by boundaries like physical boundaries where you live
0: you know and so
1: you're just assigned a ward like i can't go to my friend's ward who lives you know say 5 miles away because i'm not in those boundaries so if you go to another ward you couldn't hold a calling or anything like that they don't really write. you you have to go to your assigned ward and so they have a bishop over each ward that's just a guy in the area that's called it's kind of like a preacher but he doesn't stand up and preach every Sunday they call different people from the congregation they'll you know call them the week before be like hey will you give us a talk on you know obedience or whatever and so different people from the congregation speak like three different people every Sunday in what's called sacrament meeting where everyone's together kids everything And, you know, you have your opening song and your prayer, and they pass the sacrament, which is like they break up bread, and they have little cups of water. And the 12-year-old boys who've had the priesthood, they go, and they go from row to row, and they, you know, people take the bread, and then they have the prayer for the water, and they take that, and then the speakers, you know, and then they have the closing song and prayer. And then now, because it's changed, because it's only two hours— They rotate every other week. So one week will be where the women meet together, 18 to death, you know, like (laughs) however old you are, where they have Relief Society. So it's a lesson that comes out of a manual and there's different teachers. So there's like a Relief Society president and counselors. She has two counselors and a secretary and they're like the presidency of the Relief Society. And there's different teachers that are called, that's their calling, and they teach the lesson. And as far as the bishop too, he has two counselors, a secretary, and there's a clerk. The clerk is the one that handles the money, like the tithing that the Mormons pay, 10% of their income. Um, It depends. So I was always raised, you pay it, on gross so pre-tax some people pay it on net but you know that's kind of a gray area so um, yeah 10% of your income um, and then um, the men at that time they meet together and they're different priest groups so there's like the elders quorum which is you know 1918 and you know above They meet together. They have a lesson. But then there's high priests, which are guys who have had certain callings, like bishops or things like that, that have had the higher level of the priesthood. They'll meet together. And then the young men, so the teenagers and stuff, they meet in their groups for their priesthood meeting. And then the the kids for primary, they just, you know, they meet together. They have their classes by age. And so it's pretty much the same for them every Sunday after sacrament meeting. And then on the other Sunday, so every other Sunday, so then, then then the next week they do still do the sacrament meeting, where we have our speakers and all that stuff. And then they go off and we have Sunday school. So that's mixed men and women. And that's where you're just learning from the scriptures. Whereas the lessons in like Elders Quorum and Relief Society, they're more about kind of things that are applicable today in a way they'll bring up church history stuff they you know they'll take a talk that was written by a prophet and you kind of study it and talk about how it applies in your life whereas Sunday school's like okay we're gonna get we're, this year we're studying they take a year and they'll be like this year we're we're studying the New Testament or the Book of Mormon or whatever and you go through that and there's presidencies for each of these organizations so
0: the top top so end of the for Sunday school, organization, Sunday school you know, headquartered in Salt you know, that Lake City what does the structure look like there?
1: So there's the prophet um, and, and the first presidency. So the prophet, he has two counselors. Um, and there's the 12 apostles. So they look back at it as like when the Savior, you know, how he had his 12 apostles. So there's 15 of them total and the two in the presidency because there's the presidency which is the prophet and the two counselors um those two counselors have been apostles they're not just guys from somewhere else they're they have been apostles and then they're you know come up the ranks generally it's by how long the person's been in there sometimes it's different which it has been before but generally it's like oh he's next in line
0: you know When we think of the head of a church, we usually think of sort of a figurehead type role. But the decisions are made by a council. What does the leadership of the LDS church look like? So start with the prophet. What power does the prophet have?
1: Whatever he says, the church follows.
0: Like if he came out
1: tomorrow and was like, you know what? Gay people, they can get married. Then the rest of the church falls in line. You know, he's the one that they believe has direct contact with God and, you know, the Savior and, and that. Like, he's, he's at the top, you know. So he d- receives direct revelation for all the members of the church.
0: So does he have the kind of power that if he wanted to intervene on where a missionary was supposed to go on mission, he could do that?
1: But not really, because there's so many boys and girls going out on missions so there's there's like a group i'm not sure if it's the first presidency anymore it may be and they read because you have to fill out like an application i mean you know you fill out things about yourself like do you speak a foreign language that kind of thing and then they just assign you where you're going and then send it off and the the prophet does sign all of those
0: you probably know That I was going to ask this question. But people want to know about the magic underwear. So can you explain to me about the magic underwear?
1: Yeah, when you go through the temple for the first time, you go through what's called an endowment session. Um, you it's just like a very ritualistic thing, which they can watch on YouTube. You have certain, you know, the first time I went through the temple, because you have these temple clothes, but You've never had them on before. And like you walk past a certain point in the temple, there's people walking around with them on, and you're like, whoa, what is that? You know, it looks just weird. So you go through for yourself, you receive like a new name, one that you're not supposed to reveal to anyone but your husband. So, like a woman, a man and a woman both receive a new name. And that's the name that will be called when they're resurrected. So if your new name was Rebecca, that would be you know called and he would be resurrected kind of thing but the women their husband knows their new name but the women do not ever know their husband's new name because the woman the, the husband calls his wife's new name and then she's she's resurrected but yeah you go through a ceremony you know like handshakes and stuff like that a lot of masonic stuff like was, a lot of it was taken from the Masonic, the Freemasons, you know, some of their stuff, and then um, you pass through like a, like a, a veil that's supposed to represent you passing through from this life to the next into the celestial kingdom, and, yeah, that's when you get your your underwear. There's also a washing and anointing ceremony that takes place actually right before that same day, but right before. You go through the endowment session where they, you know, for women, it's done by women temple workers. They, you wear like this, put on this like kind of shawl robey thing and they anoint you with water and certain, just touch you in certain places, give you the blessings. It's almost like in a sense being baptized again. Like everything's kind of washed away and yeah. And they talk about the Different symbols on the garments. Yeah, the, the underwear, they call them garments. Um, and then from that point on, you're supposed to wear them at all times. I mean, not during sex or when you're like sports or exercising, you know, you can take them off. But
0: yeah, so you wear them at all times. Did you ever hear stories about people, you know, having the garment on and it protecting their life or preventing them from being stabbed or burned or.? Yeah. And- it's like a protection. And
1: the, people always have like anecdotal like stories, like, oh, you know, I know a guy who, you know, his car blew up and he was burned everywhere else, everywhere, but where his garments were, like there's always stories like that, you know, like they protect you,
0: so the way that Mormons get married is a little bit different than what the average person might recognize from a wedding on TV. There's a service that happens in the temple only. That's called sealing. Can you explain to me what sealing is? Yes. So
1: you do your endowment and all that stuff on one day. And then, you know, it could be like even a month before or whatever. They usually like to do it really close, like maybe a week before you're married. But the sealing, you go into a room and people, only people who have been endowed can be there. So, like, kids aren't there. Anyone who hasn't been endowed, you can't just be Mormon and be there. You have to be an endowed, worthy, you know, member. Like, you have to have a temple recommend because, you know, the bishop asks you questions to make sure you're worthy to go to the temple and stuff. So, they're sitting there. They're in, like, just regular dresses and suits and stuff. And then you come in and your wedding dress, but you also have your temple clothes over it. And also, like... You know, if your wedding dress is short-sleeved, you have to put, like, sleeve inserts in because it needs to be, like, to your wrist and to your neck line has to be, you know. And then you have, um, like, kind of this, like, ape- you have a, a green apron. It represents um, Adam and Eve, you know, when they came out of the Garden of Eden. They, you know, saw their nakedness and they made a, you know, fig leaf thing. So that represents that. Um, You have like this, I don't really know how to describe it, this like shawl kind of thing and the men wear it too, where it's over one shoulder, drapes across and goes down to the ground and it ties on the side. Um, I can't remember what that means. And then you have the men wear a hat. This kind of looks sort of like a baker's hat. And the women wear like this kind of veil thing in the temple so you come in there and there's like a little altar you know and you kneel on each side like so the the husband on one side the wife on the other and there is someone performing the marriage ceremony and you you know he gives a little spiel like that's just different to whoever he's marrying and then you say your certain vows and i can't remember exactly what they are but You know, the woman, I don't know if this has changed now because they are changing in the temple some of the wording because it is sexist and they have changed some of it. But, you know, the woman promises to hearken unto the husband as he hearkens unto God. And the husband promises to, I think, just hearken unto God, you know. Again, that kind of presiding type thing. And I think you're holding a hand maybe in one of the handshake ways, you know, because there's different like hand things. Um, and then they, you are at that point, you're sealed for time and all eternity. So
0: it's not from death. Do you part? It's like, okay, you're, you're married forever. So if you're sealed and you die before your husband dies, you will go to the place where he is meant to go because you are bound together for eternity. Is that correct?
1: Well, if you're both living worthily, then you'd both be in the celestial kingdom together. Um, But if, say, I wasn't worthy, but my husband was, then I wouldn't be there with him. But the assumption is that you'll both be together.
0: To unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R It's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.